Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. And this is Dimity in Denver. And I'm wondering, Sarah, where were you? Um, well, gosh, was it nine years ago today no, or ten? Nine years ago today. Nine, okay. Yes, yes. I was uh, getting ready to deliver my boy-girl twins, John and Daphne. And uh, yeah, last night I was um, hanging out and I was thinking, wow, nine years ago today I was pregnant with twins. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so yes, so they, but as Daphne would be quick to point out, she looked in her baby book and she does not turn nine until 352 today. So Good. She... <laughs> well, I've heard she's already clamoring to open her gifts. So tell her to, yeah. you know, oh, no. chill the heck out. You're not, you're not nine until 352 Daphne. No, so. I, I let them open their, their big gift this morning already. Cause I just, I don't know, they, there was just a lot of pressure. And so I, I caved yeah. and also uh, we have, um, my best friend from college and her family is joining us. They're joining us for dinner this evening because they are in, they live in Chicago, but they are in Oregon on vacation. And it just so happens that tonight's the night they can join us. And I was like, oh, don't worry. It's their birthday. You know, don't feel the need to bring any presents. So I don't want to be like, oh, look, and here's a bunch of presents. And hey, look, you didn't bring anything. So yeah, yeah sure. sure. <laughs> um, so the big gift, I think I know what it is, but, but I won't spoil it. What was it? What it is, is it? a um, giant, um, uh, stuffy, as they are known in our household, an enormous um, Melissa and Doug stuffed giraffe. So um, they have just been clamoring. Like every toy store we go in, which are not all that many toy stores because I'm not that generous of a mom to take them into stores. <laughs> You're even. not that kind of mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not nice is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and, um, that uh, They just... Oh, they just would love this huge, it's about five feet tall, this plush giraffe, and, you know, has a really friendly face with long eyelashes, and they just just love on whatever store we're in. And um, finally, I'm like, you know what? Like, I loved my stuffed animals when I was little, just loved them. And I was like, why am I denying them <laughs> this giant giraffe just because yeah. I don't want it in my house. I, so. I was going to say because it's a five foot stuffed giraffe and after they're done loving on it in, you know, a year or so, you're like, what the hell am I going to do with this big giant giraffe? I know because, but is it their fault that I really missed the window and I should have bought it for them when they were six so they could have well, had, you know, I, yeah. four or five years of loving on it. Not so, their fault, no. Yeah, no. So <laughs> I'm not going to penalize them for that. So I... Um, got it. But I asked Phoebe, their big sister beforehand, I showed it to her. I said, okay, Phoebe, they love this thing. I'm like, but there's two kids. Should I buy like the stuffed elephant or the stuffed zebra to go along with it? She's like, no, 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 no. They only want the giraffe. Well, of course, then I took them into another store recently where there was the whole collection, uh, the whole oeuvre of Melissa and Doug's um, plush animals. And they were like, oh, look at the panda. Look at the gorilla. Look at the zebra. So um, Jack's dad and stepmother emailed last week and we're like oh what should we get the twins for their birthday i'm like here is a link to this zebra that you should buy for them 
Perfect. <laughs> so, so I told the zebra and the giraffe this morning, or just the just well, the, the zebra is en route. It took a little while to get from Africa. Um, uh-huh. so, and, uh, so, I have to say, Sarah, I, I would not. I mean, I, I'm very proud of you for you know buying them that, but I know that you got it from Amazon. So did the, was the box like as big as me? And like, did you fret about the like carbon footprint? Oh, the, the carbon giraffe? footprint of the giraffe. Oh, and also, please, I live in Portland, so of course I'm like, I should buy local. I should buy local. You know, and I'm like. Yeah. yeah. So, um, no. So, well, and then also, uh, oh, I was telling Molly about this morning. She goes, oh, great. So did you just have your, you know, in-laws give you the check and you buy the zebra? I'm like, no, my in-laws like really to them, it's about buying the thing and having it shipped there. And so I couldn't very well say, well, I'm going to tell you exactly what to buy. And so just send me the check and I'll do it. Um, so it it is not, so it is not a local giraffe and, and, but, but the box has already been loved. Daphne goes, Ooh, can we play with the box? Well, I was going to say, it's probably a cool box. Yes. So I have a, I have a picture of her, you know, it's a little coffin-esque, but, (laughs) but so she, it's a fort and I got you a giraffe and a fort for your birthday. (laughs) Right. So she's already been playing in it today and they, there was already bickering going on about, you know, whose room it would be. Oh, and which gender it would be. That was the argument that was going on when I left the house to come record the podcast. Uh, John insisted he wanted it to be a boy giraffe, and Daphne Shocker wants it to be a girl giraffe. And um, so they were trying to bring me into that fracas, and I'm like, mm, yeah, mm, no. Pat, name it Pat, and we'll call it good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's another general neutral name? Neutral name these days, right? Jesse, yeah. Jesse, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. So, wow. um, so yeah. Well, happy so happy birthday. I hope that uh, I hope they have a great day. And gosh, you almost have. Three and double digits. I, I, I was thinking about away, but wow. I know. That's I, was, crazy. I was thinking that over the weekend. And so, yes, yeah, so I am um, picking up the stopping at Trader Joe's on the way home to get the ingredients for the um, signature birthday cake that I make, which is a lovely white cake with chocolate buttercream frosting. And um, oh, you know, making shish kebabs for the guests to come over for dinner and. Yum. Yeah, Can trying and trying a trying a new recipe. I'm trying to I'm gonna cook rice in the oven um, based on a New York Times recipe, Dimity. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, for perfect rice. So those are that's just what is on my plate literally for today. Um, Very good. Well, meanwhile, I feel like I'm like the day after a wedding. Like <laughs> I I honestly, you know that feeling or like a big. Well, it really is a wedding. I mean, it just I just feel like as exhausted as I did you know, after I got married. So we had the, the state swim championships, the yeah. summer league swim championships on Saturday. Uh-huh. And uh, I am very proud of my children. I will not uh, diminish their accomplishments. They um, both qualified for three individual things and two relays, which is the max amount you can swim. Oh, how um, fun, Amelia couldn't get to her. They didn't have a nine, 10 girls free relay. Um, so she swam in four things and Ben swam in five mm-hmm. and, uh, that day started at um, they were they warmed up at our pool uh, at six forty five. The meet started out in Golden, Colorado, at nine, mm-hmm. um, and I uh, volunteered to time because <laughs> never never let a volunteer opportunity pass you by um, is my motto. So um, so I was there until there was one rain delay. Um, oh. So you know you, when it lightnings you have to wait thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and if you get another lightning you have to wait. You know. 30 minutes from that lightning. Um, so, but it was, fortunately that was a fairly short rain delay. We've had longer. Um, so it was just about half an hour. Mm-hmm. So I got home at about five and then there was oh. a celebration party that night at the pool back again. Cause we hadn't spent enough time in chlorine <laughs> waters. So, um, 
So it went from about 6.45 to about 9.30 that night. And it was in the whole week. I mean, the, the coaches did such a fun job. And it made me realize how much, why I love swim team so much um, mm-hmm. for my kids. I mean, so the coaches, they came and picked them up for a surprise breakfast on oh, Thursday morning. And nice. they, I mean, they had 40 kids at state. So it was not a small, it wasn't like five kids made it. Uh-huh. It was a lot of kids. Uh-huh. Um, so surprise breakfast. They each got a poster on our garage on Friday morning. Oh, that's they awesome. got, yeah, t-shirts and a special state, state CD. Oh. And it was funny. I was talking to the parents on, on Saturday night and I'm like, so do you listen to the CD on the drive to golden? It's about half an hour away. And they're like, yeah, every song sounded the same. <laughs> I was like, yeah. And they're like, and the only ones that we recognize were I of the tiger and journey. Don't stop believing. And I was like, hello, dating ourselves, you know, like all this, like Usha and whatever else there was on it. I'm like, Oh my goodness. So anyway, it was, it was a great day and the kids swam really well. And, um, I learned a couple lessons about being a parent, which I, it's a blog post and okay. I don't want to write it, but yeah. I don't want to write, I don't want to talk about it, but I don't want to write it right now because I'm working so hard on the book. But, um, yes, I've learned that, uh, once again, that the, um, the drive has to come from within. You can't mm. force things on people. And, mm. um, Amelia taught me that in a very nice kind of tough, tough way for me, but, um, but I've got it now. I think I finally learned that lesson with my children. So it was, it was a good day. And, uh, yeah, so awesome. I, um, I'm officially tired. And, uh, so then on Sunday, um, I of course neglected or didn't have a workout on Saturday. So Sunday I went and ran with, um, my friend Katie, the ultra runner and Becky, who's doing Pikes Peak. And we did my favorite trail mm-hmm. and Katie was like, uh, Dimity, you know, there are other trails here in Denver. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I know, but I like this one. You know, I really, I really, really like this one. It's out in, um, it's called Deer Creek and it's just a lovely trail. And, um, and so anyway, so we, we had a little chat about, uh, you know, she's going to rank the trails that I need to see. And we're going to do a little trail running Ooh, tour of the, Denver. So the tour to trails. I like it. Tour to trails. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so it's been a, it was a, a fun-filled weekend for me, and um, I am excited to uh, have a week to focus on the book again. Mm-hmm. I feel like people are like, are they done with that dumb book already? <laughs> but, like, if you only work in, like, two- and three-hour focus chunks of time, it takes a little while. So, yeah. Yeah. anyway. A lot of building blocks, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But we have a different goal in mind besides finishing the book today. We have the sub-two-hour half-marathon goal in mind, and it's funny because somebody – tagged me on Facebook recently asking how to do it. Um, mm. like not, in, not, not on a run, like a mother, the book page, but just as my friend network. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I'm excited to have this ready to go because I can just send it back to where I didn't, <laughs> it's such a, you know, how do I run? Sub Here, listen to this. I, I know, I know that's what I'm going to do well, because it's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that comes. There's a lot of little fingers that poke in and, and how do you get to do it? Because it is such a, a monumental goal and, um, and so many women are aiming for it. So we wanted to help them push mm-hmm. themselves over the edge. And the person of course, to do it is, is who Sarah. It is our pal, Greg McMillan of McMillan running company, the founder of that. And, um, he has been on the show before and we just love chatting with him. And we often go to his website, mcmillanrunning.com. Um, to he has his well-known and trusted pace calculator on the site and he's just an awesome resource for distance runners he also does personalized coaching and we just just feel that greg can really break things down and explain it in that lovely kind of slight southern drawl he has so here is greg mcmillan 
Thanks. Wonderful to be here again. Good, good. So so this time we wanted to bring you on to talk about that elusive goal of running, or maybe it's not so elusive, but that that highly sought after goal of running a half marathon in under two hours. And we decided you were the you were the man to give us the advice on that. <laughs> um, well, it's a worthy goal, and it's certainly a common goal. Mm-hmm. And it's like most of those time barrier goals. Sometimes, you know, you rush up toward it, and then it just gets hard mm-hmm. to get under it. It almost becomes a mental thing where you're just trying to see a one instead of a two right. at the start of your finish time. <laughs> and it can be it – it's just one second makes a big difference, right. but uh, it, it becomes really big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so since you are the man for the trusted pace calculator at MacmillanRunning.com, let's talk numbers. Um, so to run a sub two-hour half, that means sustaining what pace over the course of 13.1 miles? Well, if you're trying to break two hours for the half marathon, you're trying to run nine minutes and 10 seconds roughly per mile for 13.1 in a row. And so that's, uh, you know, that can be a daunting challenge to to maintain that pace for that duration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so what are, so, so, so that goal is, like we said, it's very sought after. It's a very crisp number, but how do you know when you're kind of ready to hit it? Like, um, can you give us some numbers for like what your 5k might be, what your 10k might be, um, to start with. And then I also want to talk about, you know, uh, where you are in a half marathon and and trying to come down. So, so first, yeah, let's talk about the shorter races. I mean, what are some, some reasonable times where a two hour or sub two is, is within your grasp? I think if you look at the 5K, you want to be able to break 26 minutes for the 5K. And certainly the more under 26 minutes you can be, the better. So that's an 820 mm-hmm. per mile pace more, uh, roughly more under, to get a, under. More under, that's a super technical term you, you got yeah. there, <laughs> My six-year-old would say under-er, I'm sure. But uh, <laughs> certainly it, the, the more... Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm just busting your chops, You want to be under that uh, time. or You know, something breaking 26 minutes for 5K would be great. And breaking 54 minutes for 10K would be great. That, at least by my calculator, would indicate that you have the capability to break two hours in the half marathon. And and certainly uh, the faster you can go at those shorter distances, typically that makes breaking the two hours for the half marathon even more reasonable. So that's 820 per mile for the 5K and 840 per mile for the 10K are kind of good pace per mile goals to to be able to then shoot for that 910 per mile for the half marathon. And what about um, a previous half marathon PR? Because I think what happens to me um, sometimes is I'm like, oh, you're at, um, you know, 206, you know, so six minutes over the course of 13 miles doesn't feel like that much. But then when you realize that's almost, you know, 30 seconds faster a mile, um, that's significant. So it is significant. And that's the difference is that it's the pace per mile that makes the big difference. Because if you look at it and you say, oh, six minutes, that can't be, it's it's so, such a small percentage change uh, relative to the total time. But then when you look at that pace per mile, that's when you go, wow, okay, this is, this 
is heavy duty because I'm going to have to do this for two hours straight. Uh, so it's definitely something you have to consider is not just, oh, can I take a few minutes off my time, but but how do I feel when I see that change in pace? Because it's certainly reasonable for somebody who is relatively new to the sport. Maybe they haven't run that many half marathons. You know, obviously the newer you are, in the sport, the the better, the bigger chunks you can take off of your time, and then the more experienced you get, those those extra minutes become <laughs> harder and harder, as we all know. So oh, yeah. uh, you kind of have to think of it in two ways. If you're if you are newer to the half marathon distance into running, then taking those big chunks, you can feel more uh, sort of maybe it's more realistic that you might be able to do it. If you've been doing it a lot, then it's going to be harder, and you need to really respect that. So what is a a reasonable time, you know, if you were going to get somebody to come in uh, to be your client and say, I want to run under two hours and this is my PR for the previous half marathon, I mean, what's the the highest limit you'd want to see in a a normal training cycle? Is it 206 or is it a little bit faster or slower or – if they're experienced, experienced yeah. as a runner and they've done, you know, some racing and that sort of stuff, then I really do want to see it pretty close to the two-hour mark. You wouldn't want to see 215, 220 as the half marathon time. You definitely want to see something around that two hours and five minutes or even a little faster. But you could also look at the 5K and 10K. Do they have the 5K and 10K that indicates they have the ability to run that two hours? So maybe they just haven't they haven't been able to break two hours, but they've run under 26 minutes for 5K, under 54 minutes for 10K. Then that gives me more information to say, oh, well, I think it's possible for us to get under because you already have this component at the shorter distances that we need. Now, if you uh, were very, very experienced and you've not been able to break 24 minutes or 26 minutes for 5K and uh, but you've been racing a bunch of half marathons and you've run 204, then I know, wow, this is going to be a challenge. We're going to have to work very hard. So again, it kind of depends on the person a little bit sure, uh, sure, and, and their, their other capabilities and their training history. But again, newer runners, less experienced, typically I'm okay with bigger chunks coming off, more experienced, really been kind of shooting for that goal for a while, then we might have to do training slightly different. Okay. And, and also speaking of chunks, though, don't you find sometimes like you know someone will go out and run their first half marathon in two forty five, and then their next one is two thirty two, and then you know down to two twenty, and it's just like oh, I'm just gonna keep slicing and dicing <laughs> ten minutes off my half marathon. You know, I'm gonna be down at one thirty in no time. Yeah, so, and so... that's that's the hard part, isn't it? That we get spoiled with mm-hmm. taking these big chunks, but we have to remember that. You know, that PR train, ends, it runs out of track soon enough. <laughs> and you, you start to get really close to your potential, and then it's a struggle to take two minutes. And, of course, you know, you have weather and how you feel on the day and things like that. So that's why I'm saying, yeah, the more experienced you are, even two or three minutes can, can take a lot of training to get those two or three minutes, whereas before, the same training got you 10 minutes or 20 minutes sure, off that time. Sure. Yeah. But but also one thing about experience, I found that, um, let's see, I guess it was three years ago that I ran three half marathons pretty close together in time. I became a half marathon fanatic that I have not renewed my membership for, but, <laughs> but, um, but that um, I found that do, doing... Um, 
like more before that, I think I'd been doing maybe like two half marathons a year or something. So I didn't, wasn't towing the start line a bunch, but I found that it took a lot of the nerves off and I became kind of more a savvier, less nervous racer. And that that helped me then kind of be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going to do a half marathon today and this is going to be my plan and this is how I'm going to do it. Do you think there's some of that? Absolutely. Experience is golden, isn't it? Because Mm -hmm. when you're talking about distributing your energy to your best ability across two hours of running, across 13.1 miles, Mm -hmm. uh, it takes a little while to figure out how to do that. It takes a little while to understand that distance and Mm -hmm. how to race it best. And so like most things in running, a little experience pays big dividends on race day because you know where your red line is. Mm -hmm. You know, oh boy, if I feel this way at mile five, I'm screwed. Or, (laughs) you know, okay, I feel this way at mile five. I'm good. I'm Mm -hmm. excited. You know, I I believe I'm going to have the energy I need over that last 5k because that seems to be, you know, the biggest challenge is that sort of last third of the race is, is really hard. Mm-hmm. I believe I can achieve. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so Greg, so short of hiring you as a coach, which obviously is, you know, the number one indicator of success here. Um, <laughs> what, what are some things that you can talk about in a general term? So you've got a person that's listening who is in, who's in, you know, in spitting range of all those time ranges we just talked about. What, what kind of, um, what kind of focus would you have in her training cycle to get her to get to that, you know, nine, 10 consistent pace for a half marathon? Yeah, it's really interesting. I look at it as there's three key limiting factors when you're trying to break two hours in the half marathon. The first is muscular fatigue. So that's one of the things we have to train for because you know how it is. If you try to run farther or longer than you have before, part of the fatigue is just that your legs don't want to go anymore and you're having to sort of your upper body is trying to get the lower body to come along. And so we have to address that in training. We have got to do long runs to build up that endurance so that that they have the muscular strength to carry us across that. And so before you get to point two is long runs, is that past 13.1 miles in your mind? Like, do you, are you, um, an advocate of going 14 or 15 miles for, for a PR in a marathon? I would say it depends on the athlete, which is my Uh usual answer to everything, but I (laughs) definitely like, uh, athletes, again, it would depend on the person, but I'd want them to be running an hour and 45 minutes to two and a half hours as their longest long run. So we need to build up to where they are getting close to the two hour mark or going over two hour mark in their long runs. Now that would be done at a slightly slower pace than marathon pace or half marathon pace. So they might be doing that at 9.30, 10 minutes, 10.30 per mile as opposed to the 9.10 that they're going to try to run on race day. And again, take a little time to build up to it. So with some runners, I want to make the race day be the longest day. So that's when they're going to run two hours faster than they have before because maybe I want to make sure they stay healthy and get them to the line, you know, not tired and all of that. And then maybe somebody who's more experienced, I might push it a little bit saying, okay, we've we've not been able to break that barrier. In order to do that, we've got to change something in training. So maybe one thing we can change is doing some long runs that are beyond the time that you want to run or beyond the distance of the half marathon. So again, it 
depends a little bit on the athlete, but for sure, you want to be getting at least an hour and 45 minutes in a build up to that as your long run, because that's going to create that fatigue in the muscles that, that you're going to experience on race day for sure. And so you need to build that long run up uh, in order to kind of address that muscular fatigue. It's also important that you think about frequency of running. You know, if you're going to try to do a two hour half marathon, it's hard to do that off of two days of running per week. You can do, you can, you can still run and you could still run well, but if you could add one more day, for example, that really changes again, the stimulus to the body. Or if you run three days a week, maybe you can add a four. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available cancel anytime. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com AMR. That's BarkBox.com AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash AMR. Worth every other week or something like that so that you're getting a little bit more frequency. Because one of the things we're trying to do is if you're trying to beat a goal that's been elusive, then you might want to try to increase your average mileage across the week. And the only way to do that is to be smart about it, right? You can't suddenly just go, oh, I'm going to run five days a week and I've been running three. That's how we get injured. So you have to be smart. But trying to maybe add another day every week, every other week, every third week can be a neat way to do it. Or adding uh, a midweek longer run. Mm -hmm. So say, for example, you're doing an hour and a half as your long run on the weekend. And maybe instead of 45 minutes that you do normally during the week, you might do an hour or an hour 15 during the week. So again, just trying to think about, I need to do some runs where I'm fatiguing my leg muscles. I'm getting to the point where, you know, I'm ready for this run to be done. That's a good sign <laughs> that you, your legs are going, are getting to that fatigue 
point. And so you need to, in training, you don't have to do it all the time, but it should be once a week or possibly uh, twice a week that you're kind of touching that uh, fatigue zone. And you can also do it with fast finishes. I like mm -hmm. the fast finish long run. So maybe on some of your long runs, you might not go quite as far. So if you've built up to two hours, maybe one week you back down to an hour and 30 or an hour and 45 minutes, but you finish the last 30 minutes or 45 minutes faster, maybe even getting down to that nine minute pace. So you're really kind of pushing the last part. That can also challenge the the sort of fatigue that you'll feel in your legs. Well, um, go back go back to, to running days per week, and I'm just curious. So, I mean, our, our you know our our average listener, let's say, is in her mid 30s, early 40s. You know, so her body isn't as you know sprightly and young as it used to be. Although there are, we have a lot of beginning runners who have fresh bodies that Sarah and I are insanely jealous of. <laughs> that take those fresh, legs, fresh, fresh legs, fresh legs. Gotta yes, love it. I fresh legs. For fresh legs, please. Um, but I'm just curious. I mean, because there is a lot of questions about how many days a week should I be running? You know, is it three? Is it four? Is it five? Is it six? And I'm, so I'm curious, like, you know, where you feel like a sweet spot is, you know, given that every runner is different. And I'm also curious about cross training and how you, if you feel like a great, you know, spinning class or bike workout or step mill or something like that can replace maybe one of the easier runs in the week. Yeah. I like, I like three to five days of running per week works for most people. It's, it fits into their life schedule, which is the hardest part usually. And it fits into their body. So typically people can run three to five days per week and they can stay healthy. It never stresses them too much. Now, certainly more experienced runners or higher mileage runners, they can run more than that. But I think for our audience that we're talking about, people who have jobs and family and a lot, I mean, certainly moms have you know, four jobs every week. So it's, it's definitely a challenge to fit it all in, but I like the three to five days per week. And if you're training for the half marathon, then you're probably going to, like I said, have some of those weeks where if you normally run three, you might add a fourth day or a fifth day every other week or every third week, just to kind of build it. So again, it, it varies a little bit by the person's uh, life schedule, but sure. typically the most that, you know, if you can get in that frequency of, of really four, Four to five would be ideal, I think, for breaking uh, two hours in the half marathon. Uh, more than that, you can do if your body can take it and your life schedule can do it. That'd be great. And then if, you, if you're concerned about injury or just don't want to run that much and you'd rather run three instead of four days a week, then certainly doing some other activity that challenges the body would be great. I'm partial to the elliptigo now. I think it's a great tool that is running like, plus you can be outside, plus you can do it with your training partners. Um, but you could also do the elliptical machine in the gym or go for a swim or, you know, bike ride or any number of other uh, sort of cross training techniques. But again, something where you're, you're, you're challenging the body to get a little bit fitter. So in, so in speaking of getting fitter, how about, um, you've touched on a couple ways to hone speed, like the finishing strong. Um, what do you think are the most effective ways for people to increase their speed, Greg? Well, one thing that we have to do is that if we want to run nine minutes and you know, 10 seconds per mile for the half marathon or slightly faster, we've got to make that pace feel easy. 
Mm-hmm. And the only the best way to do that is to do some running faster than that. And that's why I like to have athletes once per week go out and do a pace change workout or a fartlek workout as we call it where they're not just running their their normal everyday pace but they're injecting some faster running. And that might start as say 10 to 15 times 30 seconds at maybe 8.30 per mile, 8.45 per mile pace, even down to eight minutes per mile pace, uh, and then with about a minute recovery in between. And then slowly each week they extend that to where maybe in week two or week three they do 10 to 15 times one minute at 8.30 per mile pace and then the next week 10 to 15 times two minutes at 8 30 pace if you will and so again just injecting some pace that is a little bit faster than that nine minute pace uh, which is kind of where they're going to be for the half marathon and that's an easy thing to do you don't have to have a marked course you don't have to worry too much about going to the track or anything like that you can just go out and if you have a gps watch you can just say i'm just going to pick up the pace for a little bit but anything from 30 seconds to three minutes at that pace which is about 30 seconds per mile faster than that goal half marathon pace of two hours i think is a great way to make half marathon pace feel easier and that workout generally i mean is that so because it's a more intense workout i'm just thinking about if someone was to kind of set up their own training plan let's say it's is it an hour long at the at the most? I mean, because you said, you know, 10 to 15, one minute intervals, then 10 to 15, two minute intervals. That's like very different <laughs> yeah. time thing. So, I mean, so are we thinking like 30 minutes of hard work each time or something like that? Or what's a you're, good kind of You're trying baseline? to get in, yeah, 10 to 30 minutes of faster running. And okay. you usually start with the 10 minutes on the front end or even five minutes on the front end and then slowly build up, of course, over time. But you would preface that with maybe it's 10 minutes of running at your regular pace just to get the body warmed up. Sure, and then sure. you just begin to in, you know, insert these, these faster. So if you did 10 times 30 seconds in week one, mm-hmm. then that's five minutes of fast running and you've got the minute recovery interval in between and then the cool down at the end. And so in an hour, even 45 minutes, you can, you know, get that workout in. And if you got up to where you were doing 10 times three minutes, then that's 30 total minutes of fast running. That'd be a, that'd be a hard workout, but you could build toward that. And if you could do that, say a couple of weeks before the half marathon, if you could do 10 times three minutes at say eight minutes and 30 seconds per mile pace, then you could feel pretty good about your, your readiness for, for that half marathon. So going back to, um, I mentioned how I had run those three half marathons, um, in pretty quick succession. So this might be ironic that I'm asking this question, but, um, we talked to a lot of women at parties or race expos and they, um, you know, are, are striving for a goal or just racing a lot because they, they love it. And, Sometimes I worry that people like that are going to face burnout. So instead of like, um, you know, they'll be like, oh, I want to, you know, run a sub two in April. And so I have a half marathon on March 1st and March 17th and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, that like, does that lead to, is that good race experience or is that going to lead to burnout? Like how, how can you set up a goal race so that um, you're going to be able to achieve that goal? Hopefully. 
We've been struggling with that with our online clients because there's so many great races now and mm-hmm. everybody wants to do them because right. I mean, part of why we race is the social aspect of it and travel and there's a lot of cool stuff that happens. So we've been trying to really dial in, okay, what is your goal race? What's your A number one race? What is the one of most importance? And then everything else has to build around that. So it doesn't mean you can't do those other races. It just means that those races may have have a different purpose than your absolute goal race. So in some of those preparation races or tune-up races, you might race them differently. So we might want to work on the fast finish. So in the the half marathon, that's say a month before your goal half marathon where you're really going to shoot to break that two hours, you're going to start a little bit slower for the first half of the race and try to finish the second half of the race fast or whatever the case may be, you begin to create different scenarios and certainly different race courses. If it's hilly or maybe it's going to be hot, then you have to change Mm -hmm. your strategy. So those can, you can still do them. You just have to know that every race can't be your A number one race. And if it is, if you bring in that mental focus to every race and you're serially racing, so you're racing frequently, Mm -hmm. It only makes sense that eventually the mind is going to cry uncle. We just can't do – we can't do anything for with that intensity for that long. The body – you know, it just – it doesn't work that way. So you have to kind of respect how the brain works uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then so then, speaking of race day, um, what are some tips for someone who's gunning for under two hours or, or any new personal best? The key thing in racing is you've got to if, – if you pictured a graph, then you would picture that your effort level or the, the fatigue level would start low at the beginning of the race, right? And then it would gradually increase through the middle of the race and then it would get really high at the end of the race. That makes sense, right? So it's a nice sort of curve you can visualize. What people have to realize is that in the race, your mental intensity has to match that fatigue intensity curve. Mm-hmm. In other words, you want your pace to be rel- relatively even, right? So if you mm-hmm. wanted to run nine-minute pace for the half marathon and break two hours, then you might start the first couple of miles slightly slower than that by five to ten seconds per mile. That's fine. Get warmed up. But from mile, say, three until the end of the race, you want to be running at your goal pace or mm-hmm. slightly faster at the end. The only way to maintain that pace is that your mental intensity and your mental focus is going to have to increase dramatically at the end of the race. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I think people are looking just at their watch mm-hmm. and expecting it to, you know, you want your pace to be even, but your mentality can't be even. Mm-hmm. Your mentality has to be increasing and you've got to be ready for miles seven, eight, nine, and 10. I find like those are, I call it the go zone. That's where you have to engage your brain at a higher level than you have been. Because, you know, the first few miles, you're you're talking to people, you're looking yeah. around, you're thinking about what you're going to have for, you know, your post-run breakfast <laughs> and all. You're doing that kind of stuff, uh, trying to figure out if you've got, you know, all your gear situated. And, you know, there's there's that's plenty of time for that. But when you get to that after halfway, 
you have to begin to engage your brain into increasing its intensity, its focus uh, for that middle period because that's where people drop off the pace. You're too far away from the finish line mm-hmm. to sprint, right? Mm-hmm. But you're you're also not it's, – it's a weird zone and you can, mm-hmm. you can daydream and that's when you shouldn't be thinking about mm-hmm. what you're going to have you sh- you, for breakfast. You should be thinking about, <laughs> you know, okay, I've got to – you know, I want to make sure every mile, I've got to get to every mile split. I want to make sure I'm increasing my intensity. You have to engage, I guess, is a way to think about it. So if you can mentally engage uh, across that race uh, in that way, then it gives you a better chance. You've got to work on your fueling. Obviously, if you're going to run as hard as you can for two hours, uh, we don't have enough carbohydrate store in our body for that long. (laughs) You're going to deplete those. And so you've got to figure out a fueling strategy that works for you. That's what the training runs are for. Obviously, the bulk of those runs are where you are trying to dial in how much fluid and fuel you can get in. Most people don't get in enough. You need to try more, but you've got to find the balance where your stomach is okay and you you know the taste works for you and what mm-hmm. what type of product works. But you've got to figure that out because yeah. you're going to need that during the race. Yeah, uh, I'm always shocked well. by the number of women when we meet at race expos who are like, we're like, oh yeah, you got everything set for tomorrow, and you know, talking to them, and they're like, oh yeah, no, I've never, I don't, I don't take gels during a, a race. I've never, and I'm like, whoa, you're going to do a half marathon tomorrow. <laughs> It's a big challenge. You want to, you know, it's it's sort of two things. And this is the way I approach it, which is maybe the same as everybody, but maybe different is one thing you want to do early in the training cycle is figure out the fueling that will help you in those long runs feel good. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as you're extending your long run from, say, an hour to an hour and a half to up to two hours, let's say, you're you're, you're fueling so that those runs you feel good. You are strong at the end, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then in the middle of the training cycle, you might take a couple of those long long runs and you would reduce Mm -hmm. your carbohydrate intake. So you would actually kind of purposely want to get tired, Mm -hmm. want to almost bonk in Mm -hmm. those long runs. You'd have an emergency gel with you, of course, and you wouldn't be doing this run at night in the woods where if you had a problem, (laughs) nobody would find you. But, you know, you, you wouldn't mind challenging your body to to go a little bit lower carbs during that. And then, you know, that helps stimulate the body to to preserve your carbohydrate stores. But on race day, that's when you want to bring it all together mm-hmm. where you've got this body who is much better at conserving the carbohydrates at race pace. But then you also have this fueling strategy that is dumping in exactly what you need Mm. in the timing and so forth. So it kind of comes together as this ability to feel really strong. Because if you can feel strong over the last 5K and particularly, uh, I would say, around the last five miles Mm -hmm. of a half marathon, you can get your goal. It's it's just about you have to have – you got to be mentally sharp and physically ready and fueled enough, then you can, you know, you can usually finish strong. And if if you're finishing strong, typically you've got a better shot at achieving your goal as opposed to that. Oh my gosh, when's this race yeah, going to get over? Hanging on. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's a bad scenario. Yeah, I had a coach who told me to run the first ten miles and race the last five k. Yeah, and it just um, 
you know, I still ran hard during those first 10 miles. And I just, it just kind of let my mind, um, I don't know, take a little bit of a break somehow. And that, that I'm like, okay, it's okay. I'm just running right now. I, you know, I'm not going to start racing until I get to the 10 mile mark. And um, yeah. now that I think about that was actually the one where I set my half marathon PR. So, um, you know, but you, but you do have to be set up as you've said, to be able to really put the hammer down in that, in those last 3.1 miles. Yeah, most of us can, when we're tired, we can push for about 30 to 45 minutes. Mm. And that's why in the marathon, you've got to get to within 30 to 45 minutes before you have to kind of pull your superwoman powers out uh, <laughs> because you can't do it for longer than that. You know, that's why they say, oh, if you hit the wall at 18, you're really screwed because you just have too much time. Uh-huh. You know, the duration to get to the finish line, is, it takes you too long. And it's the same in the half marathon if you're trying to break two hours. You've got to get to basically an hour 15 hour and a half into the race uh, as easily as you can mm-hmm. on pace before you have to sort of like start that lot that inner dialogue of come on let's do it you know whatever you you have to do uh-huh. cursing at yourself i mean there's a there's a lot of different ways we motivate ourselves <laughs> a lot but of different what, tactics that you recommend yeah, exactly you know uh, that's um, really key so i think that's in the race you have to you know, be ready to fuel yourself. And then mentally, you've got to be ready to really bring it in that last portion. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you're talking about internal dialogue. And um, I helped my uh, running partner, Molly, run her first sub two hours by running alongside of her. And um, so what do you think of that? Like, you know, and I, I had done it, you know, I, I had run um, a bunch of sub twos. So so it wasn't a gimme for me. But you know, I, it was, um, you know, I, I, I was comfortable in taking on that role. I mean, what do you think of having a more experienced person, you know, kind of help guide you through it and make sure you stay strong through that kind of seven to 11 mile tough stretch there and all that stuff? I think it's great. I mean, certainly we typically run better when we're not alone. Mm. Uh, it's it's tough to push yourself as hard by yourself mm. as opposed to other people around. And luckily, when you have a time goal that is a popular one, like breaking two right. hours for the half marathon, you typically end up around a group of people. But certainly, if you have someone there with you uh, that can help you, that's wonderful. Particularly if they're a good pacer, if mm-hmm. they, you know, if you have a good um, relationship with them and you know that you train and run with them very well and they have they know your mental states so they know when to talk to you and when not to (laughs) what to say then that's important Uh as well so uh uh, certainly misery loves company a little bit and it's not bad to have somebody there that can can help you if your inner dialogue uh doesn't help you enough right if it goes silent for a while there yeah (laughs) and then then um well then that sort of brings up the question of a pacer and um um, I don't know, we're kind of divided on the subject of having a, like a professional pacer, you know, one of those ones that carries the flags or the balloon or whatever it is, because of them going out at such an even pace. And so that if you are standing with the one, you know, the person who's holding that two hour flag, they are going to start at 910 and they're going to run those 910s the whole way. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, it's it's hit or miss. It's very tough with the pacing groups, isn't it? Because we we have experiences where the pacers are awesome. Mm-hmm. They're perfect. They know the pace and they're very helpful and everything is great. And they come in at the goal time. Mm-hmm. And then you have other pacers that uh, go too fast or they're very erratic mm-hmm. in the pacing because maybe they're too good mm-hmm. of a runner. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so that pace is very uncomfortable to them to run. And so that's typically what we see is, is you know, somebody's a an hour 15 half marathon and they're trying to pace the two hour group. It's like, that's a bad idea. And you know, the pace is all over the place and then they'll, they might achieve the time, but how they got to the finish time Mm -hmm. was very erratic. Mm -hmm. And that can be very, very stressful Mm -hmm. when you're running because you, you want to have your own thing. So again, it might be, I always tell our athletes, you know, be open to it. It's Mm -hmm. certainly a good place to line up (laughs) is Mm -hmm. where that, that group is, Mm -hmm. but you, you somewhat need to run your own race and then see if it just happens to sync up with other people. And Mm -hmm. if it does wonderful, stay with the group you're on. But if you find that the pace group is not running the way you would like to run, then no longer be part of that. Even if you're Mm -hmm. around them, you are not part of it, you Mm -hmm. know, so you're not susceptible to any erratic pacing that can be very stressful in a race. If Mm -hmm. the pacing is not quite what you want or expect. Right. Particularly with somebody that you don't have the rapport with that you would, if it was your running partner or something like that. Yeah, I mean, they could be somebody that has a totally different personality. How annoying would that be? If you're, you know, if you just want to run together and you say, say good job every now and then, and then somebody wants to talk to you about, you know, nutritional you practices. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, how you doing? Where'd you go to high school? I mean, you know, you, you might have a personality conflict, which would be annoying for two hours. Right, 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 right. Well, awesome, Greg. Now I just feel like putting back on my shoes and running, going out there and running a sub two hour half because I think you make it seem um, attainable. You know, a lot of work goes into it. You've certainly given us that impression, but um, you got me all fired up. So thank you for joining us, Greg. You bet. Always a pleasure. For more inspiration and advice for running whatever your time goal is in whichever race you're running. Join us on Facebook at Run Like a Mother the Book. Our website is anothermotherrunner.com and motherrunnerstore.com in case you're looking for a really cute tank or something to wear in a race. On Instagram and Twitter, we are at The Mother Runner. Our books Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother, both loaded with great race advice, are available on amazon.com as well as motherrunnerstore.com. And no matter what race you're running, many happy miles to you. Oh,